Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. I'd like to first of all say hello to two very special listeners of Light of the East, my mother and my Aunt Martha. Hello, Mom. Hello, Aunt Martha. Glory to Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. In our modern times, both in and outside the church, I find that we oftentimes don't know what to do or to believe about angels. In fact, I remember even being in the seminary when a feast day of the angels came up. One of the seminary professors got up there and he was celebrating the Mass and he was going to give the homily. And he kind of expressed being at a, maybe at a certain loss of words or certain difficulty in what to really say about angels. And I thought that was kind of unusual because the church, as always, in the church's liturgy, in her art or architecture, has much to say about angels. Now, part of the problem is some of what has been said or depicted about angels over the centuries has Unfortunately, given certain stereotypes that make angels seem to be irrelevant or reduced down to just looking like little chubby babies with rosy cheeks and little wings. And in the church, though, angels have a very real place. In our faith, they do. They are real. In the Eastern Church's calendar, many Eastern churches this week, we celebrate the feast, in fact, of St. Michael the Archangel and all the heavenly powers, or sometimes we call it the incorporeal powers. In other words, the bodiless powers. This includes the principalities and dominations, the cherubim, the seraphim, the archangels and angels. See, there's different classifications in heaven of angels. Yeah, there's actually a hierarchy. At the top of that hierarchy is Archangel Michael. That's why we refer to him as an archangel. Archangel Michael appears in many places in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, in particular the book of Daniel. He, of course, is the warrior saint. He is the one that battled with Satan, as we read about in the book of Revelations and also the book of Daniel. He had an argument over the body of Moses. He argued with Satan about what to do with the body of Moses. So he is the warrior saint, and in fact, in his icon, he's dressed in a red tunic, 
which denotes his military might. He has a long spear that usually slashes across the composition of the icon. At the end of the spear, there is oftentimes coming at another angle, they sort of converge, is the scales of justice. And on the scales are two souls, two images. And one of them is being attacked by a little image of the devil. But Michael's spear, the end of it, the point of it, is running through the body of that devil, stopping it from grabbing the soul. Michael has what looks to be ribbons on his hair and his head, and they flow out from each side of his head behind his ears. And this is symbolic of the fact that he was one who listened to God. In fact, his very name means, who is like God? So if your name is Michael, it's a beautiful name, Mikael, means who is like God or like unto God. So Michael was faithful to God, to his role as the archangel, as the warrior angel. And on November 8th, in the Eastern churches, we celebrate this feast day, and we do so with great solemnity as always, because the belief of angels in the Byzantine church is very real. It is in the whole Catholic church. We just don't always realize that sometimes. But in the Eastern churches, it becomes rather evident because angels, if you step into an Eastern church, if it's properly decorated and designed, you'll see figures of angels in all sizes and all kinds everywhere, all over the place. Angels are essential to the liturgy of the church, especially in the East. It is a very real belief in Byzantine liturgical worship that during the liturgy, we actually take our place alongside the angels in heaven, at the ongoing liturgy in heaven. So you'll see in a Byzantine church, as you do in mine, for instance, and you can see that if you go to byzantinecatholic.com, that's byzantinecatholic.com, you can see the icon murals in my church. On the ceiling is a large figure of Christ Pantocrator, all-powerful ruler, and it's the largest icon in the church. Surrounding this icon of Christ are the angels. Now, actually, together, they make one complete icon. In other words, the entire ceiling of the church is one icon with the large looming Christ in the center. Now, the angels going around Christ are each holding an instrument in their hand, an instrument that is used in the liturgy of our church. What's happening is this. What's being depicted by the iconography of the church is something that is happening in the liturgy of the church, actually between heaven and earth. The angels hold in their hand, in this icon, a piece, an instrument that is used in the liturgy of the church, such as the chalice, the discos, the gospel, and so on. Because what this is depicting is that the liturgy in heaven, the ongoing liturgy in heaven, with all the angels and dominations and principalities, all the celestial beings and all the holy ones that have gone on to heaven, surround Christ, singing his praises forever in the ongoing heavenly liturgy. And when we attend liturgy, now this is in both churches, east and west, when we attend both liturgies, whether in the Latin Rite Church or the Eastern Churches, we are actually stepping into and participating in that heavenly liturgy. That's actually a reality. We actually enter into eternity in a very special way, a way we can only do in liturgy. And we actually take our place alongside the angels in heaven at the heavenly liturgy. That's right. We actually join them. Now, this is a mystical reality. I know maybe we don't think of that or feel that or wonder, well, how can that be? But actually we do. Now, it shouldn't sound too strange to you if you think of Eucharist. Look at the Eucharist, where heaven and earth come together in a very real way, so real that we unite ourselves to the very body and blood and divinity of Christ. Do we not? 
Yes, that's what we believe, east and west. So when we enter into liturgy, we can understand how in the Eucharist we unite ourselves with Christ in a real way, his real presence. Well, why can't we do with angels as well? And we do by virtue of the liturgy. So we actually enter into the heavenly liturgy by way of the liturgy we're celebrating on earth. And that's why in the church, especially the Byzantine church, there are angels all over the place from floor to ceiling. They are the connecting link between heaven and earth for us. So they're essential. As I mentioned at the beginning, we sometimes don't know what to do with angels or what to really believe in them. Do we have guardian angels? Well, I can tell you we do. I certainly do. (laughs) And you do as well. I'm sure you can recount moments in your life where you knew you had a guardian angel. So the angels are important. They're real and they are important. And in fact, in the Byzantine liturgy, during one of the solemn moments of the liturgy, we sing this hymn, Let us who mystically represent the cherubim and sing the thrice holy hymn to the life-creating trinity, now set aside all earthly cares. Now, did you catch that? Let us who mystically represent the cherubim and sing the thrice holy hymn of the life-creating trinity. So we actually represent, we become part of the angels in heaven. I mean, we remain human, but we become part of that choir of angels in heaven during the liturgy. As I mentioned before, the icon of St. Michael depicts him as the warrior saint, but the church is full of icons of angels of various kinds. Now, the six-winged seraphim are very famous because you see their heads but the rest of them, you really don't see a body, you see wings. In fact, six wings. Two wings cover their head, two wings cover their body, and two wings they use to fly. So that's six wings. Now, why do they cover themselves? Because they are in the presence of God. And anytime you see in the art of the church and in the liturgy of the church, and actually in our society, think about it. When we're in the presence of something or at a very special occasion, what do we do? Do we dress down? Do we put on the least amount of clothes? No, we put on the most amount. And most of the time, those clothes can be rather flowing, such as a bridal gown. It covers most of our bodies, such as tuxedos. In the liturgy, the chalice is covered. We cover the tabernacle. Whenever we are in the presence of something very special, the tendency is to cover or veil ourselves and that thing. Not out of shame, but quite the opposite, because that thing is considered to be very special. And we unveil it only at certain times and only before certain eyes. So the seraphim are in the presence of God. And so their six wings, four out of the six, cover themselves out of humility. And with the other two, they fly. And that's why you'll often see the heads of an angel with nothing else but wings. Those are the six-winged seraphim. And on the cherubim, you oftentimes see little eyes on the wings because they're perceiving that vision of God in heaven. So angels are real. And how do we know that? It's in the liturgy and art and architecture of the church. And that's where we find the context for everything, for all truth. Everything in the liturgy is absolutely meaningful. And so we look to the liturgy of the church, its art and its architecture, to find out how we should believe, what we should believe in, why we should believe it, and how to live according to that belief. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. 
That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R life at earthlink.net. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road. Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyal, your host. We're looking at angels as we approach the feast of the great Archangel St. Michael and all the incorporeal power, at least that is the feast coming up this week in the Byzantine liturgical calendar. Of all the greatness that we talked about relative to angels in the first part of our program, there's something else we need to know about angels in relation to ourselves. That despite the greatness of their nature, the great mystery of the incarnation was hidden from the angels, but revealed to human persons. In other words, the angels really find out about the incarnation from us, from the church, from after it happened. Through Christ's incarnation and birth through a human woman, together with Christ's resurrection and his ascension to heaven, human nature has risen in heaven even beyond the angels. There's a reference here to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21. The liturgical chant of the Byzantine church refers to the Virgin Mary as, quote, more honorable than the cherubim and beyond compare more glorious than the seraphim. Now, imagine, as high in heaven as angels are, as close as they are to God, that's why we said earlier they cover their bodies, the cherubim do. Here we have the prayer of the church saying that the mother of God is more honorable than the cherubim and beyond compare, more glorious than the seraphim. Now that is really, really hard to 
hard to understand, actually. It's hard for us to imagine that because we always think of angels as being so superior to us. Well, they are in certain ways. But at the same time, through God's benevolence and mercy and providence, he has raised human nature even beyond the angels. And he gave human nature something angels don't have. That is, a corporeal body. In other words, human beings are not incorporeal, meaning they don't have a body. We are corporeal. We have a body which is wedded with our soul. So we are spirit and body. We will be spiritualized bodies, gloriously transfigured in heaven, if we make it, body and soul reunited. So because Christ took human nature and mounted on the throne with him as he ascends into heaven, so too then we can say that human nature has risen higher than the angels. And that's why the mother of God can be said, rightfully so, in the prayer of the Byzantine church, more honorable than the cherubim, beyond compare, more glorious than the seraphim. So, yes, angels are essential to us. They connect us with heaven and protect us. And they also remind us of the lofty destiny to which human beings have been called. Only through God's mercy. And we focus on that during this year of mercy, of God's mercy. And one of the signs of his mercy, first of all, he made us, but how he made us and what he destined us for, to rise higher than the angels. We have something else coming up this week in our United States of America, and that is a very important presidential election. All the elections are, of course, important, whether on the local level or the presidential level. They're always important every time they occur. But I think, and many others do, that this particular election is maybe of greater importance than some in the past. It's very pivotal, because I think we all know that America seems to be coming to some crossroads here. And we might wonder, well, why would I be talking about so-called politics on this program? Well, it's really not about politics. It's about understanding what it means to have a worldview, what that worldview should be, and how we live according to that worldview so as to affect everything in the world, from our lives, to our families, to our cities, our homes, our churches, to our nation, to the world. Next time you're at Mass or liturgy and you pray the Our Father, which we do in both liturgies, East and West, I want you to focus on the words, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Then I want you to think about the verse from Matthew's Gospel where Jesus says, Go, therefore, and baptize all nations in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We have been given a command, a mission, to make what is in heaven on earth, to make earth seem like heaven. At the very beginning of the liturgy in the Byzantine Church, we begin it by the priests proclaiming, Blessed is the kingdom of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. So the kingdom of God must be made present on earth. And one of the ways we do that is by taking that gospel, that good news that we have been entrusted with, taking it everywhere. Yes, especially in so-called politics. Because politics is about the right governance of people. And a government, a civilization, a culture, is actually a structure that is supposed to make present on earth what is in heaven. 
A lot of times people say, oh, two things I don't talk about, religion and politics. Well, actually, those are the two things we should talk about most because they do go together. And it all starts from a worldview. As a priest, it is my obligation, certainly to my parishioners first, but also to you, since I have this program and you're listening, which I appreciate. It's my obligation as a priest to help you and myself to form our conscience for the task of voting. I cannot tell you who to vote for, but I am duty-bound to help you understand how to form your conscience in which to vote. Because remember, we have been given the mandate and entrusted with the riches of the truth so as to affect government. That's right, affect government. Yes, we are here to, quote-unquote, impose our religion on everybody. Now, I'm going to rephrase that or redefine that. No, we don't impose anything, and it's not about our religion. It's about making the kingdom of God present on earth. We've been entrusted with that kingdom, and we have been called to make it present everywhere, especially when it comes to governing a nation. So we have to be involved and active. This particular election, I want to ask you to reframe how you look at it. It's going to be difficult because we're used to defining or looking at elections in terms of the persons who are running and the parties. And a lot of people are very disenchanted with both. In fact, I hear many people, maybe good people of faith, saying, well, I don't like either candidate, so I cannot in conscience vote for either one. I'm going to have a write-in candidate or vote for somebody else or just not vote at all. Well, that's a thinking that comes from what has been the common thinking about elections, that it's about the persons or the party. What I'm submitting to you at this particular time in history in America is that this particular election is not about the persons or even the parties. Rather, it's about ideology versus reality. And it is a war, a war between ideology and reality. Ideology, think of the word ideology, how it's spelled. The first two letters, I-D. Now stop right there. For those of you who know a little bit about psychology, I-D, the id, means like the person, I. It's where we get the word idiot or idiosyncratic. It means, it's a Greek word, which means a person who thinks just in their own world. Now add the ology onto it, ideology. Ology means a thinking or word, a thought. So it's my own personal thinking. Ideology means we look at life as we want it to be, as we think it should be, versus reality, the way things are. Now, to be a responsible voter, especially as Christians are called to be, especially Catholic and Orthodox Christians, we have to think and act in terms of reality, not ideology. Reality, I'm referring to reality in two ways. One, the order of creation, how things actually are, how God designed things to be, such as the fact that we are man and woman. There's stars in the sky. There's gravity, how babies are made. All these basic fundamentals of the natural order, we're called to know that, to live by it. Secondly, we're called to understand the reality of the fallen side of creation. This has nothing to do with God. It was human beings, their sin, that caused the fallen side of creation to come into existence, which means we need certain things that we may not like. 
We need law enforcement. We need military. We have to fight sometimes. I don't like that. You don't like it. Nobody wants it to be. It wasn't meant to be. But it's the fallen side of reality that we have to accept. Ideology, on the other hand, looks at life as a person would like it to be. The problem with ideology, though, is since it's not reality, it can only prevail through coercion and manipulation, through force, through tyranny. And I won't say which party it is or which person represents this. That's for you to decide. But one of the parties in this election functions from a position of ideology. The other side has at least some hope of reality and some mention of reality. So the two candidates in my mind, and I offer you to consider this, are basically gateways to these two opposing things, ideology versus reality. And I simply ask you to take what I've said, I entrust it now to your personal conscience, but to take it to heart and to realize that our responsibility as Christians, as Christian voters, is reality. The reality of the kingdom of God and the reality of how that kingdom has been marred by sin. Our responsibility is not ideology. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. This is Matthew Bunsen, Senior Editor with the National Catholic Register and co-host of Register Radio with Jeanette DeMello. This weekend, I'll be joined by theologian and seminary rector, Father Paul Check for a special conversation on how to form your conscience properly as we all prepare to vote. Find out what blessed John Henry Newman and Jiminy Cricket have to say about your conscience. That's Register Radio, every Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern and Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern, here on EWTN Radio. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.